Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Katie and Alex from Relex for the first episode of 2024, and it was jam-packed to kick off the year just right. Now, Katie told me all about her recent Woman in Supply Chain award win, her experiences as a woman in the industry, and her career journey. And then she was joined by Alex to talk all about Relex, the challenges in retail supply chain, and putting sustainability at the heart of everything they do. Now, this show was full of insights and inspiration, so I hope you enjoyed it. But if you missed it, remember, you can go and catch up over at letstalksupplychain.com on our YouTube channel or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 383. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. When you're looking for cutting-edge resources on innovation and trends across supply chain, where do you go? What about when you're on a mission to find like-minded professionals and cultivate relationships that go beyond an emoji reaction? And what about when you're trying to generate leads, build campaigns, and get ahead of the game in the unique world of supply chain marketing? Supply Chain has been missing a single collaborative hub that brings people and ideas together in an environment that is safe yet stimulating for everyone until now. Just one platform that's as dynamic and innovative as you are. Welcome to the Secret Society of Supply Chain, a private network for the supply chain community. An industry first brought to you by supply chain media entrepreneur Sarah Barnes Humphrey. The Secret Society of Supply Chain brings professionals of all backgrounds and experience levels together in the industry's largest dynamic network, focusing on industry learning and career development, as well as networking and community. The Secret Society of Supply Chain hosts all the content, connection, and creativity you need for supply chain success. But which group is for you? Well, head over to letstalksupplychain.com, find the Secret of Society banner, and take the quiz and join our waitlist. There are limited number of spots available, so make sure to get on that waitlist so that you are one of the first into the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Well, for this month's Woman in Supply Chain episode, we are changing things up just a little bit. So instead of featuring one woman in supply chain, we are featuring three. We will be talking about a topic that affects us all instead of focusing on their journeys. And I cannot wait to share with you who they are and what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, let's get to our question of the week. So this one was asked back in December, and it's our Q4 check-in. Where are you at? Well, we had over 200 votes, and 52% of you 
use the emoji with the squirrely eyes so everybody is feeling it. 26% of you said that you were on vacation or in vacation mode. 12% of you said that you were happy and 10% of you were thinking about the money emoji. Now we had some comments. Peter says plan, plan and plan some more. Focus on what is in your control and manage those elements that are not with effective planning. Sounds easy, but it's definitely not. Bruce says, better than I deserve. All right, well, I hope you do something about that soon, Bruce. And Benita, I think so close to the holidays, the majority of us are just trying to hold it together. Thanks for checking in. Let's talk supply chain. I can't wait till 2024. We can't wait till 2024 as well. Benita is going to be featured on one of our upcoming Blended Pledge episodes. So stay tuned and watch out for that. And thank you so much to everybody who weighs in on the question of the week. We ask you a question on our Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn and Instagram every single Wednesday morning. And you want to head over there and be part of that conversation. So now how many hours have we as women put towards quote unquote free work? Maybe it is saying yes to too many speaking engagements for quote unquote exposure, or maybe we start a meetup with free membership because we want to make an impact and do right in the world. And I'm not talking about volunteering because volunteering for a cause or nonprofit is very different than offering services for free in a for-profit situation. And then there's the expectation from the community that we should be doing things for free. And if we don't, we leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth. What we don't ever talk about are the consequences of doing things for free. So that is what we are doing today. And I have brought together three women who have done a lot of work in the movement to move women in the industry forward to unpack this very important yet touchy subject. But of course, we cannot do this series without our sponsors. So first, GoFreight is proud to sponsor the Women in Supply Chain podcast series, recognizing women's vital role in the industry and the need to highlight their contributions and experiences. They are committed to promoting diversity and inclusion in the supply chain field and are honored to support initiatives that empower and inspire women in their professional journeys. GoFreight is the world's leading cloud-based freight forwarding management system, in addition to its comprehensive core features, including business quoting, ocean and air freight processes, invoicing and payments, accounting and finance, customers highly favor it for providing a customer-facing platform that meets the needs of freight forwarders and their clients and agents. You can go ahead and quote, book, track, and do data reporting from GoFreight. So visit them right now at gofreight.com to find out more. And secondly, Food and Logistics and Supply Chain Executives Woman in Supply Chain Award, sponsored by the Let's Talk Supply Chain Podcast and Blended Pledge, honors female supply chain leaders and executives whose accomplishments, mentorship, and examples set a foundation for women in all levels of a company company's supply chain network. Go and check out the Woman in Supply Chain Award. Go and check out Supply and Demand Chain and Food Logistics as well. 
So welcome to the show, Marina, Joanne, and Katie. Thank you all for joining me because we're going to be chatting about the topic of free. We have all partnered and collaborated in a few ways, Katie and Joanne with my Woman in Supply Chain monthly meetup and Marina with the Woman in Supply Chain forum. And collectively, we have all worked towards elevating women in business. So this is going to be a bit of a different show for our Woman in Supply Chain series, but you are are going to love it. But before we dive in, I'm going to ask you all to introduce yourselves. Tell us who you are and what you do. Marina, I'll start with you. So hello, but thank you for having me as always. I am the editor-in-chief of Food Logistics Supply and Demand Chain Executive. I'm also the co-founder of many of our awards, one of them being our Women in Supply Chain Award, and co-founder of the Women in Supply Chain Forum, which Sarah and Katie have been a part of in the past. So thank you for having me. Yay, so excited for you to be here. We've got a lot to talk about today. So Joanne, mm -hmm. you're up next. Thank you. So my name is Joanne Deasy. I am the co-founder and CEO of Grow Together. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Yes, we've got a lot to talk about. All right, Katie, you're next. Thank you, Sarah. So I am the Senior Vice President of Industry Relations and Strategic Initiatives at Manifest. Um, and I am also the founder of the MIT Women in Supply Chain Initiative. And we're going to get started talking about that because I want to get to know why you all do what you do and what exactly you have done to really elevate women in business and kind of what you've learned as well. So Katie, let's start with you. Tell us about why you originally founded the Women in Supply Chain Initiative at MIT. And over the course of that program, what have you learned about women in supply chain? Yeah, absolutely. So I joined the MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics in 2014 and quickly realized something that I probably always knew, but hadn't really ever uh, put my finger on it. And that is there aren't very many women sitting at the, the table uh, when you're talking about supply chain. So in my role at MIT, I had the opportunity to meet with some of the top supply chains in the world, but repeatedly coming to the table at MIT, it was, it was all guys. And so me being me, I started to kind of poke holes and ask some questions. And I found out that there, you know, there were women in our master's degree program in supply chain at MIT. There were women that were entering the supply chain, but for some reason, they weren't growing in the supply chain. And so it really started out with just asking questions, speaking with senior leaders within supply chain, when I could find people, um, people, women who were in senior roles, I started asking them questions. And then the next step was I started doing a survey. And then in 2017, founded the, the MIT CTL Women in Supply Chain Initiative. And that initiative really was a two-pronged approach. The first was the approach of offering a full tuition fellowship for one woman to come to MIT. Nice. Um, and that was in collaboration with the awesome organization. And that, till this day, still goes on, that fellowship. And it actually helped to bring so much attention to the program that now the class is pretty much 50-50 men and women, um, which you know, back in, in 2014, it was like 20% women. So it's really made an impact on more women coming into to master's education, which I think is really important 
for them to get to senior leadership roles. The second was addressing the gap at that time that I believe there was for mid-career women. Um, there was programming out there for entry-level women. There was programming out there like the awesome organization for senior women. Um, but the mid-career women, there wasn't a lot of programming. Right. And so we started having small groups. We had our first Women in Supply Chain Summit in 2018. And you know, it was it was really gaining a lot of momentum until 2020 and the pandemic. And now all of a sudden, the magic of being able to get together and, and have these um, summits, you know, it, it wasn't there anymore. Um, and then in, in 2023, I, I left MIT. Um, but the, you know, the, the initiative still um, lives on in other ways. Um, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about with with my involvement with women in the supply chain. Um, but back to your initial question, the the thing that I really learned through um, founding this initiative was that conversation is so important. Conversation and connection, and really all it took was starting this conversation. You know, back in 2015, 2016, starting to poke holes, and people wanted to talk about it. But I think with so many topics, like this topic of asking for the money, because people don't talk about it, then it becomes a taboo subject. But when you bring conversation, when you start talking about it and create connection, that's, I feel like, where, where the magic starts to happen. I love that. And recently I posted on LinkedIn because I had this guy reach out to me and he was like, do you know about my world-class supply chain background? So I posted on LinkedIn. I'm like, ladies, this is how we need to approach messages on LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, hashtag inspiring confidence. We need to open up the conversation is what I'm saying. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Katie. Now, Joanne, You've taken a little bit of a different route and you focus mostly on women in business. So talk to us about what you do, why you do what you do, and what have you learned about women in business along the way? Absolutely. So just for context, the main program I run at Grow Together is something called Growth Circles. <clears throat> and so Growth Circles are really peer groups and we curate 10, usually 10 women who meet monthly. And uh, this enables, of course, personal growth and really deep connections, impactful career development, and they're, they're a safe place, right? They're a place for them to network and share challenges and ideas, to form community and to develop really immediate, um, meaningful relationships, uh, you know, outside of the people they usually work with. So I began this because um, my co-founder and I really wanted to provide women with an opportunity to build community, to network, to work on their personal and professional growth, and to advance their careers, and to support other women doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we work primarily in industries where women tend to be in the minority in their organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in... Um, we're in a, a technology space. We're in supply chain industries. I've been speaking at obviously um, like manufacturing. So it's, I've learned how increasingly important it is, especially important it is for women in these industries where they don't necessarily have the support of other women on their teams to be able to, you know, come together and surround ourselves with highly supportive peers who can cheer us on and who can push us 
sometimes take the risks that we're sometimes less willing to take than our male counterparts and to support each other in our goals and to really, you know, have women that are going to jump in and give us a hand when we need it. That supportive community as we advance and grow really helps us to thrive. Well, and I think it's also important for us to have a place where there's no wrong questions. Yes. Right? Like a place that we can ask a question that we've kind of been humming and hawing about that we can't really ask anybody else because we don't really want to be judged or made fun of. And these really give us the places to be able to do that. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you and Katie are, are doing that um, to help us with women in supply chain as well. But, and the other thing to note is that you do a lot of this in very big companies, right? Yes. You do it for Yes. I do it both ways. Yes. So some of my clients are big companies, um, banks, uh, huge food companies that are global. And I bring women usually in their technology areas, but from all over the world together in these groups. But we also do bring groups together that are people in the same industry at all different companies. I started this work with um, the CEOs of tech companies. So they were all running their own technology companies and they were coming together to help each other scale and grow their companies. So we do it both ways and it can be super impactful, you know, in either scenario. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Marina, you're up next. Talk to us about your journey with the Women in Supply Chain Forum, why you do it, what have you learned? I mean, it's been a couple of years now, and we just had a really successful one, or you did, so. Yeah, well, we did. You were just as much a part of that as as anybody. And, and you know, I too kind of like, you know, what Katie and Joanne said, I, it was kind of one of those moments where you sit in a room and you look around and you're like, wow, I'm probably one of three females in this room. And one of them is serving the drinks and the dinner to this, wherever we're at. So they don't count. Um, and so I knew that there was a need because I've been covering the supply chain space for close to 13, 14 years. And it was one of those aha moments. Like, you know, if I'm feeling this, other people have to kind of feel this too. So when I joined our organization um, in 2020, uh, during COVID, it was one of those where you're just, you know, you have two e-learners at home and your your desk is filled and you just start this new job and you're like, what better time to launch an award than what? when I'm already feeling the pressure of 5,000 <laughs> other things. And so um, I have the support of, of my male counterparts, which has been important. And so we launched the award. It's now in its fifth year and it has grown tremendously to the point where we went from 110 submissions to over close to 450 submissions in just five, in just four years. Um, in that, in that process, we launched the Women in Supply Chain Forum, which just closed out its second year a couple of uh, weeks ago. And what we've learned from that is that not only was this, there was a gap and there was a need for it, but but the women were were craving it and they were needing that safe space and they were needing that that place where they could just latch on to other women who may or may not be going through the same situation as them or just to learn and what i've learned from this forum is that you know we had women from all all walks of life in the supply chain and they some of them did bring their male counterparts which we would like more of because it's all of us that are a part of this equation But what I've learned is that, you know, that whole cattiness of women don't work well with other women is just is just a myth that some guy created a long time ago because we really do work well together. And there were so many women who just wanted to learn 
and share their journey and open up and be a part of each other's conversations. And, and that's a really real testament to what we're all doing as a collaboration and as a collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Blake Lively said it um, recently as well about Taylor Swift and Beyonce. And I think I made a remark about this yes. months ago. Like they went head to head. Yes. But they weren't competing with each other. And mm -hmm. they, mo they both killed it with their numbers, you know. And, and they still support each other too. They go yeah. to each other's events and it's yeah. amazing. And it doesn't make their friends feel like they have to choose. Right. Which I think we make that mistake a lot as women. Um, but they it really goes to show that there is room for everybody. Right. Yes. We can support it. We can support each other and there's room for everybody. So a little bit about me when it comes to women in supply chain, as most of you probably know, I have the woman in supply chain series, which I started in January 2018. And it really was because I just wanted to learn about other women's journeys. Like, I just wanted to know what was it all about? You know, where did you start? How, what did you go to school for? How did you end up in supply chain? What did your journey look like? Because most people's journeys are not straight, right? <laughs> They're full of ups and downs and twists and turns. And I wanted to know what that looked like. Because if I was looking at somebody um, at the height of their career, they look like an overnight success, but there's lots of years. There's lots of trials and tribulations. And so we feature one, uh, two women a month, one on the podcast, one on the blog. And we've done that for over four years. So I think we featured almost like, I don't know, 48 women or so. And it's incredible. Like people come up to me at events like yours, Marina, and they're like, you're the reason why I got into supply chain or mm -hmm. when I got into supply chain, I got to learn about other women's journeys and it really helped me with mine. And so I love that. I love that. And so that happens, like I said, twice a month. And then we've gone a little bit further because like you, Marina, I was like, there's a gap in the market. We need to get together not only once a year, but a little bit more regularly so we can talk about the challenges in real time. And so I started the Secret Society of Supply Chain, and we've just launched the Woman in Supply Chain virtual monthly meetup, which is hosted by Katie and Joanne. And it's really about what Joanne was talking about around the growth circles and what Katie was talking about from the MIT initiatives is personal and professional development and being that safe space, being able to ask those difficult questions or even maybe questions that you're not sure you can ask anybody else. But together over 12 months and hopefully beyond, those cohorts are going to be able to make a big, big impact in the industry. And what I've learned is that we as women have trouble promoting ourselves. Um, we have a bit of a lack of commitment sometimes when it comes to showing up for ourselves and sometimes showing up for others, right? Because I've learned from the series that the women, some of the women we feature don't even promote themselves. And then their friends are like, well, if I would have known that you did that, I would have promoted you too. Um, and so that's what I've learned um, along the way. So let's get into the conversation. Are we our own worst enemy? Let's talk about all the groups, associations, events, because one of the things that I talk about a lot is the need for more collaboration to make more impact. There's only so many women in business. Uh, 
women in supply chain, or maybe women fill in the blank with only so much time, energy, and money. So does it make sense for us to divide efforts or come together and collaborate? And I'm going to start with you, Marina, because you and I had a conversation two years ago and I was, and I told you this was my biggest pet peeve when it came to women in supply chain was that we are dividing efforts and dividing so many things. And you were like, okay, well, how do we do it together? And we've been figuring it out ever since. Yeah, and I agree. And I and I feel like the ones that are their, their own worst enemies or even the enemies of what we're trying to achieve here are those that feel that that's not important, that feel that they can go outside of what everybody else is trying to do and do their own thing. Um, you know, we all have connections, we all have friends, we all have allies in the industry, we all know what we're talking about, we all know what we're doing, but that doesn't mean that we can't work together. That doesn't mean that we need to go off on our own and and do things. I feel that the minute we came together and joined forces, things just kind of worked out even better than they ever would have had we gone on our own and done it without the collaboration of Sarah Barnes Humphrey and Let's Talk Supply Chain, because I just feel like, you know, more heads in the pot are better than one. Um, and honestly, when you join forces, I mean, the more people, the better. I mean, it's it's better in numbers. It's 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 just better. We're better together. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes when we th see things come up initially, it's like, oh, this is so great. And then we sit back and we're like, wait a second, I want to join this and I want to join this and right. I want to be part of this. And then I'm like, well, I don't have enough time to do that. And so then we're starting to choose and we're making people choose. Katie, what do you think? So just basically to amplify everything that you've just said, <laughs> you know, we only have so much capacity and by being able to put your focus into one space, it it just it increases the effectiveness of that particular thing. Um, that being said, though, I think that within one space, there should be multiple options for people to get what they need, right? So the, the Women in Supply Chain Forum is a great place for you to go, fill your cup, network, but maybe not the best place for small private conversations, but that's where, you know, the, the secret society of supply chain, um, that's where that comes in with the women's group because it fills that, that requirement or that need in, in your life. But had you both decided to create an event and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like so much, I get invitations to join this LinkedIn group or come have this conversation or, and it's like, well, you're doing the exact same thing. And I think maybe that comes back to this culture of competition that's, that's being uh, created over the years. And just because you can go out and do something and get some attention, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're providing value, right? Um, and I think yeah. I think sometimes we need to set that need for competition aside and realize, like you said, Marina, we are better together. And you know, like I said in in my talk at the forum, two stars can shine in the sky, and they're going to provide twice as much light. Um, it's not, it's not that, that one person needs to shine and the other person doesn't. So I think, you know, that just, it comes back to that sense of collaboration and not competition. 
Yeah. And I think the the road is paved with good intention. I want to throw that out there. Yes. I don't think necessarily that, you know, when we start doing these things and we don't collaborate and things like that, that there's not good intention behind it. I think there is good intention. I wonder if maybe sometimes there's lack of research in the fact that maybe we just don't know what is out there and we're like, okay, we're, it's just easier for me to throw it up there and see what happens, see, see what sticks to the wall. And I think we're going to go over some organizations and some groups a little bit later on in the conversation so that we can start promoting those and letting people know that there is women in trade, there is women in manufacturing, there is women in supply chain, you know? Joanne, what do you think about this? Well, I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, I think that anyone that starts a new event or starts an association or programming, they're doing that because they really believe that they have a unique offering, right? And they want to be of service. They see a way to add value. Um, but we're not doing a good enough job of doing the research to see, A, if anyone else is doing the same thing, or B, if anyone has a similar demographic or audience that we don't want to reach out to so that we could collaborate and cross-promote and support each other. Because we're not competing with each other with our values, you know, our services and our value prop. We're competing with each other for people's time and attention and money. Right. And so if we can cross promote and take advantage of each other's programming to get our value in there, then we're going to be able to amplify everybody's everybody's programs and services. And we're, our, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. Right. So yeah. um, it's, it's it just makes a lot of sense. But it takes research and time and effort and partnership and collaboration and reaching out and doing some uncomfortable yeah. things. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people, a lot of times when I have conversations, they're, they're like, have we really moved this forward? And I'm like, yes, we have, because there's some stats out there that show that we have. But at the end of the day, have we moved it forward fast enough? And are we going to move it forward fast enough if we keep splitting people in different directions, which I don't think we are, right? And so the next part of this that I want to talk about is um, individuals right? And our support of each other. So I was doing some research for this particular episode and an August 2022 poll published by the Women Automotive Network to its 11,000 uh, LinkedIn community had the question, do you feel that women support women enough? And it had over 230 votes. So these numbers are interesting because 46% of voters answered that women can do better, which means that they aren't doing enough to support other women. 40% of voters outrightly answered no, and 14% answered yes, insinuating that women support women enough. So if we're at 14%, we have some serious work to do. I mean, I shared this poll with you before the episode. What do you think about these stats? I kind of knew that they were most likely low, but the fact that we actually think this about ourselves and we're not doing anything about it is a little bit surprising to me. Marina? So I think this goes back to the vulnerability issue that lies within us being females, our makeup, and then just overall how we have operated in years past. When you go to somebody asking them to support you, you're coming at it from a very vulnerable state. And some people look at that as weak. And some people look at that as mm, maybe they think they're too good than they really are. 
And I know when you came to me, Sarah, a couple of years ago and said, you know, we need to work together on this. I would love to work together. That came from a very, you know, I felt a vulnerable state and, and I knew that that probably could be challenging for some people to do. And I've had to come to you for things as well. We've all kind of had to come to each other. And I think, you know, when it comes to women supporting women, you know, you're, you're putting your vulnerability out there. You're wearing your heart on your sleeve, literally for yourself and for somebody else. And I think for a lot of women, it's, it's, it is getting better. We are seeing it, but it's still just a challenge. It's even a challenge when I, when I talk to women, even at the forum, like, oh, you should nominate so-and-so. Well, I don't know if they would like that. You know, well, did you have the conversation? No, I didn't have the conversation. So I think there's still a lot of that, like, intimidatedness um, that's going on that I I don't know how we get past that. But we got to wear our heart on our sleeves a little bit more with each other and be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I go back to the LinkedIn post that I did saying that yes. we need to ask more or say that, you know, we've, we've got more than, than we do. And it was funny. I had a lady reach out to me in my messages and she was like, the black marker that you used to ink out the guy's name was transparent. So I, I know who it is. And so she sent me the the picture again, but with better black. And she's like, you might want to delete it if you don't want people to know the name. And so I went back to her. I was like, I was just trying to be respectful. But really, at the end of the day, it's a good thing for him. So I'm probably going to leave it. But I really appreciate you bringing mm-hmm. it to my attention. And I said, should I delete it? And so I think she appreciated the back and forth. And I appreciated the fact that she brought that to me. And not a lot of people would do that. And so I share that story because I think it's so important that we share the stories. And I think that's going to help change the narrative. Katie, you're you're nodding your head. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it it goes back to the conversations. Um, I think that there's still this sentiment, whether it's true or not, that there's this group of women that think that I worked so hard and I sacrificed so much and this made me off, you know, getting to the top. Those other women, they should go through the same thing and that'll make them better. Maybe that was the sentiment 10 years ago, but I really don't think that narrative is true anymore. I feel like we've made a lot of progress and I don't necessarily see that sentiment of women wanting, you know, other other women to to punish. And I really think we need to stop talking about it and just support. Like mm-hmm. quit using this this excuse and just support. Be out there. Be vocal, you know, like all of you are and continue the conversation because the more that we put the positive narrative out there, the less that these old narratives of um, women don't negotiate, women don't um, support other women will will be out there, I think. Yeah. yeah. Joanne, what do you want to throw in here? Because you have you have so many conversations on a monthly basis. We're talking about communication. Yeah. We're talking about conversations. I think that's yeah. one of the ways that we could potentially solve this is coming together on a regular yeah. basis, right? 
Yeah, one of the one of the topics we cover often in our growth circles is how can women champion each other at work? Like we actually dive into this and there's some really great articles out there and resources. I see in a lot of the big corporations I work with that because there's so few women already and then there's even fewer women at the very top, it causes us to feel like we really have to compete with each other for those top positions for advancement. And we need to reframe that narrative and we begin looking at ways we can support other women as we're all climbing this ladder just to ensure that there's more of us up there, right? Instead of you know fighting for a couple positions, let's create more positions for women. Let's see more women at the top. And so we talk about things like making sure others' ideas and other women's ideas are heard in meetings and they're getting credit for their ideas. You know, you'll often, if you pay attention, see men talking over women or taking credit for ideas that they brought up a few minutes ago. So calling that out, um, looking for opportunities to celebrate other women's accomplishments, right? Making that part of our culture, um, looking for opportunities to, to boost each other's confidence, encouraging women to go for it, to, to apply for that job if they don't have 100% of the qualifications, right? Um, or it also research shows that women get less feedback. And they get less direct feedback. It's more general and hard to action. So we need to start giving the women we work with direct feedback that can help them learn and help them grow. And we need to be actively mentoring and sponsoring our women in our organizations. And so, you know, in my opinion, Ed, but the research also shows that, you know, the way to grow your power is actually to give it away and support others. And what ends up happening is as we stop competing and we celebrate other women and we start to become viewed by senior leadership ourselves as being confident and as being people leaders, right? And those are the exact qualities they're looking for at the senior executive level. So not only do we give our support to others, but it ends up having us viewed as a really strong confident people leader, which will actually help us in our advancement. So it's just a win-win all the way around. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I'm glad that we talked about this. I know we're talking about, you know, groups and associations and how we divide each other. We're also going to now start getting into the money aspect of everything, because I feel like money is this taboo topic that we don't talk enough about. And one of the things that I want to work on is um, equal pay in supply chain. I mean, that's going to come a little bit down the road, but I've already started a few few things along those lines. But we really need to start talking about money. And I think it's one of the things that hold us back um, when we look at doing anything, right? Negotiating for a new job, things like that. So why do we get so uncomfortable? And Katie, at the Women in Supply Chain Forum, you mentioned in your keynote, I think it was the first thing you said was ask for the money. Talk to us about that, why you mentioned it, why it's so important, um, and how we like, how do we need to think about money? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's so important because money not only gives you, you know, more money in the bank, but it gives you flexibility. It gives you mobility. It gives you confidence mm -hmm. to make choices. And I think I'm certainly guilty of this. Um, women are so, so willing to just do things for free. And, um, with doing that keynote, it was almost for me, like my opportunity to like declare to myself almost like, 
quit doing things for free because it devalues, you know, your, your professional experience. It devalues what you have, what you have to say. Um, and going, you know, going back to, to that talk, um, you know, there's this, again, this idea that women don't negotiate well, it's actually that women aren't asking for the money They're they're negotiating, but they're negotiating for things like flexibility for different work hours. And at the end of the day, if they just asked for the money, they could have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, it goes back to just putting it out there. And the more we talk about it, the easier, uh, that, that it's going to be to talk about it. And unfortunately, I think it goes back to how you were raised a little bit. You know, if you were raised in a household where money wasn't talked about a lot, you didn't build that muscle. And so the more that we can build that muscle of going after the money, asking for the money, really putting value and being confident in yourself and having that confidence, the the more that women are going to grow. Yeah. And I want to use our example uh, a little bit, I think, right? Because I approached you and I was like, I want you to be a part of what we're doing for women in supply chain. And, you know, I was like, I think you're going to host some podcast episodes for us in 2024 for our women in supply chain series and all that kind of stuff. You're going to do some other things that we're talking about on the side. And it was really funny, right? Because I was like, well, how much? And you were like, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I 10 years in academia where everything that I did was part of my salary. So everything that I did fell under, you know, the, the salary that I was doing. And I had never looked at doing things freelance, <laughs> freelance or outside. And so I had no idea. And but that goes back to having the ability to be vulnerable and yes. trusting in the person that, um, you know, that you're, that you're talking to, because I, I very well could have said like, Oh, well, let me get back to you. But I was like, I have no clue. <laughs> and it ended up working out. I think one and of it the ended up things working. you said to me when we were in Atlanta, you were like, you made me realize you know, what I should be asking for. And that's what we're here for, right? right? I wasn't asking Katie to work for me for free. That's not what I wanted to do. I want to be able to support Katie in whatever she wants to be uh, supported in. And if that's what she wants to do and she wants to join us and be part of the woman in supply chain, we have to be fair in that compensation. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just interesting. Some of the examples. Thank you for letting me share that. I know that makes you yeah. a little bit <laughs> vulnerable, but no. But um, it also helped me to build confidence because there had been cases previously where I was like, "Well, no, I need to get paid for this," and then I was told, "No, we can't pay you." And so that, like, then, like, well, I guess maybe what I have to say isn't that valuable. If they can't pay me, then probably it's not that valuable. So you gave me like that that confidence to be able to to really stand firm. So yeah, and it, it's also you do that for example, each other. But it's also another example of, you know, if somebody approaches me and says, I really want to be a part of your woman in supply chain, the same thing with probably Marina, right? I want yeah. to do something. I don't know what it is, but I want to do something. You know, then we come back and we're like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Here's the gaps. Here's where you can help us out. And I want to pay you. Right? Those are the conversations that we should be having. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about why women do things for free. Let's share some examples and why do we expect this from each other? Joanne, I'm sure you talk about money in your groups all the time. I'm sure this is a, a you know, something that comes up. Talk to us about how women talk about it. How do they think about it? You know, have you ever talked to them about why they do things for free? Yes. And I think that it's, we believe that we're supporting each other by doing things for free for good each intentions. other, right? Yep. We have good yep. intentions. We're also conversely afraid of being judged or criticized or being seen as not being nice or kind if we 100%. bring up the money and we charge, right? But what we end up doing is devaluing our own skills and our own contributions, you know, I don't have a salary. I am completely self-employed. You know, my intellectual, you know, property and my skills in what I do are the only way that I make income. And so I, you know, what I personally have learned to do is set aside a little bit of um, of, of percentage of my time that I willingly donate for free. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, helping a charity or, you know, for for instance, I teach once a year, I teach in the MBA class at Schulich um, and I teach a diversity, inclusion and belonging course uh, class. And I do it for free because it's my alma mater. I did my MBA there and because I want these up and coming, you know, MBA students to really understand the business side of diversity inclusion and why it's so important and how it makes business sense to be mindful of that. So I choose to do that. But what I never do is do any of my core work, my growth circle work. I never do any of that for free because it devalues my business. It's not fair to the clients that are paying, you know, good money for these programs. So when I do do things for free, I do them very intentionally. And it's not my core business. It's a keynote or it's a being part of a panel or it's teaching a program at the MBA school or something like that. So that's how I've balanced it personally. But I think we need to understand that men don't sit there and go, Ooh, if I ask for an extra, you know, for, to be paid for my time, I wonder if they'll think I'm not nice. And you I know, throughout like holding my business, I have been yeah. the one sitting there and being like, mm, I don't know, <laughs> but I send the email anyways. I think that's yeah. the biggest difference, right? Is that I, yeah. I set, I set it where I'm kind of uncomfortable and I send the email anyways and see what happens. Well, you know, one of two things is for us, we're either going to get the gig or we're not mm -hmm. right. And, and I've started to become really comfortable that if I don't get the gig because they don't have, they're not going to pay me, then I just have that time to find another paying opportunity. But I, I choose not to take it personally. They, they asked me to do it. So they, it's, you, there's no reason to take it personally. They just either have a budget for it or they don't. Yeah. And if they don't have a budget for it, then I'm not the right person. Well, and you bring <laughs> up a really, really good point too. There's a difference between nonprofit charitable volunteer work and doing yes. things for free for profit. Yes. Right. Right. Somebody's getting paid. And if you're yes. not part of that, what we're doing is we're actually not only devaluing ourselves, which Katie mentioned earlier, we're devaluing it for everybody around us and exactly. everybody who's coming up behind us that wants to get paid. And so I mentioned that it's good intentions. 
But I think we actually do more harm than good when we do do that, because again, we are ruining it and we're setting expectations. Marina, what do you think? So I think to kind of piggyback on that, the, the guilt factor plays a lot into that. You know, if we say no to things because we're not going to get paid or we don't feel it's the right opportunity, we still harbor that guilt. You know, and that's something I don't think men may share in that, you know, I think they just are like, no, sorry. And then they move on and they've completely forgotten it. We, it sits with us for a little bit. You know, I spent most of, you know, my early career saying yes to everything, to build my name, to build my personal brand, to build what I was trying to do. And then, you know, last year it kind of caught up to me. I was kind of like a little burnt out, like, okay, now I need to kind of regroup. I don't need to do all that anymore. You know, I, I'm building something and I have people helping me and, and, you know, I don't need to put myself out there 24 seven all the time, but then I did feel guilty about it and I don't know why. And it was like the weirdest thing because I'm allowed to say no to things, you know? (laughs) So I think we kind of harbor a little bit of that emotional attachment to things that maybe others do not. But I think the devaluing thing is a very important aspect. We need to kind of change that conversation to turn it around because at the end of the day, we are all worth something. We all are worth our time. Our time is worth it. Our knowledge and insight is worth it. And who we can bring to the table with us is totally worth it. And I think that that is something we need to continue to remind ourselves when opportunities like this either come or go. Mm -hmm. And when we're putting ourselves out there, because we are our best advocates, but we're not doing ourselves any advocacy good if we, if we're hiding behind it too. So Yeah. And some of the free opportunities, right? There's in kind. So, and we're not saying not to do any of them, but we're also saying that you have to realize that when you are doing something with a for-profit, they are making money. So you should be making part of that money. Um, So there's in kind, you know, there's bartering. I think there was, there's skill swap, there's exposure, but even when there's exposure, I mean, you can still get your travel expenses covered. Like, think about it. If you're working for free and having to pay out of pocket, like, let's not do that because we want to elevate it for everybody. There's also free memberships, right? One example I'll share with you is I was recently negotiating um, a contract with somebody and they were like, well, do you feel that you got paid fairly? for the amount of work that you did. And I said, well, considering I gave you a 50% discount, I need to get back to close to that 100%. And they were like, well, okay. And then I asked them, I said, well, do you think that you paid me enough for the amount of work that I did? And then they were like, well, you know what? We're going to be able to charge more next year. And you should be able to take part in that and get paid more. And I was like, Yes, this is a great conversation and this is how it should go. But it's also about understanding what questions to be asking as well to really figure out what it is that they can pay for. Because a lot of times people will be like, no, don't have any budget for that. And then you can determine for yourself whether the exposure is worth it or maybe negotiate for travel expenses, things like that. So what are some of the consequences of of doing for for-profit things for free. What do you think? Katie, I'll start with you. Um, so I think, <clears throat> like I said before, I think part of it is we're setting an expectation. So the next person that comes along, if the expectation with that organization is that this XYZ is something that somebody should be doing for free, then they're always going to expect that, you know, that that is for, for free. And I think 
you know, by putting ourselves in a position where we're seen as someone who can provide value, we should continue to to create uh, um, an overall feeling of of value, and that I think will contribute to the the pay gap. You know, the being able to ask for equal pay for for equal work because I guarantee that that men aren't feeling guilty for yeah. pushing back, and the fact that that we feel guilty, um, you know, we need to get past that. Yeah. Well, I also think the consequence of that is that one, we're not investing in ourselves and two, we're not investing and respecting those who are actually making like they are charging for something. But if they are hiring somebody, we're actually spreading the wealth. We are actually supporting people for the value that they bring to the table. And if we don't do that, then what does that say for women in industry? What does that say for us moving ourselves forward? That's going to just drag it on so much longer when we could do it so much faster. Joanne, do you have anything to add here? I would just, you know, because some a lot of your audience, I think, you know, they're not necessarily out there, you know, uh, selling their services uh, as freelancers, but they're in a salaried position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we almost always get into negotiation as one of the conversations we do in growth circles. And I just want to assure everyone that when they're, especially when they're getting hired for a new job, I can't tell you how many of the women I've spoken to in my growth circles have said they never even negotiated salary. They just took the first offer. And I want to assure you that HR professionals that are doing this and giving these job offers, they expect negotiation. They do not take it personally. They do not think less of you. In fact, if you just sign the first offer, that <laughs> kind of going, hmm, that that would, you know, maybe they're questioning the judgment there, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to just encourage people to negotiate, to ask for more money and or more vacation and or more flexibility, you know, whatever is really important to you. I would not uh, encourage you to negotiate every single point in the employment agreement. You pick a few that are really, really important to you and um, go in, you know, show your confidence, show that you're professional, show that you've done your research and you know what the job is worth and that you know what you're worth. And um, let's reframe that people will think we're not nice enough or we're too pushy. You know, these are HR professionals. They expect this to be a give and take. You know, I can assure you that the men that they're giving offers to are not just signing them back without comments. So um, I would I would offer that up as well. That's so great. And I think the other part of it is asking for personal development dollars, too. Yes. So that you can go yeah. to and attend conferences like the Woman in Supply Chain Forum or do the things that you want to do for your own personal development. Maybe that is speaking. I mean, we've got the blended pledge where we give away grants to help with the travel expenses, but maybe some of that personal development budget, if speaking is something that you want to do, event organizers, and Marina can can attest to this, they're always looking for diverse voices to come out and share their knowledge and their perspective. And it changes, it makes such an impact on the industry. And so I highly encourage if you are going to negotiate to really include something like that, because that's really going to help move things forward. Marina, did you want to jump in there? I just want to say that it doesn't hurt or cost any money to ask the questions you need to ask. It doesn't hurt to say, hey, uh, what if we did this? What if we did that? Can I do this? I mean, they're going to, if they say no, they say no. And I know this is something we talked about at the forum. No doesn't 
it doesn't stop it. No, you got to know it, it, it's not over. It's just no for that particular situation at that particular moment. And yep. I'm just a firm believer that if, if it's still not working in your favor and you still in your gut and in your heart, you're not there, then it is not the right opportunity for you. You need to move forward. And that's something we talk about the forum a lot because a lot of these women come in and they're in tricky situations and they're like, I just keep getting no. Well, it's no for that. But what if you look outside of your little bubble and try something new that that could give you that yes, that you need to kind of elevate yourself and and move along the path and the journey that you're looking to do. So I guess the takeaway that for that is, you know, don't stop at no and just keep just keep going. Yeah, I want to add some things to that because sort of my next question is, what can we do? And I was um, doing a course with Lainey Molnar, um, her Soul Sister Academy. And one of the things that she says, we as women need a seat at the table and money can help us do that. Money in the right hands is changing the world. And a seat at the table means that we can come at it through love not desperation or anything like that. So I wanted to share that. I also wanted to share that, you know, you can do things for free to support other women. You can comment, you can share a social post, you can react. Um, And I think reaching out to those doing the heavy lifting, you know, how can I help, right? They might even offer you payment. Um, Pay full price for your friends, products or services and challenge each other, right? Remind people when they do something for free or they offer free membership or, They offer things for free in a for-profit world. Be the reminder about who it does hurt and how we're trying to lift this and move this boulder forward and how we need to do that together. Does anybody else have anything that you want to add on to, you know, what can we do to really move everything forward? I mean, you, you kind of touched on it with, with the free, with the likes and the, and the, the support on LinkedIn, I know that it, it, it's free. It costs maybe two seconds of your time. Um, and 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 at the end of the day, you you did a good deed because you supported somebody else who kind of was in a vulnerable state and putting themselves out there. And, and, you know, you just proved that what they did is working and is good and fine. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to support anybody at any point in time. I mean, our Women in Supply Chain Award, it's a free submission. Mm-hmm. All we're asking for you is your time, whether you're nominating yourself or somebody else. And I'm constantly telling people, you know, if you don't think that somebody is going to nominate you, then you need to put yourself out there. Yeah. Again, it's free. It costs zero money, just like it costs no money to say hi to somebody on the street or hold a door open for somebody or just be kind in general. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there, there's there's free moments in time. You know, I just finished rereading the book, um, Five People We Meet in Heaven. And I put about it on LinkedIn and my daughter was reading it in school and I was like, I have to read this. And it just really shows you that connection that you have with people that you don't know that you're even impacting. But again, it's all free. It's just, you know, how you react and how you support other people. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I will add to build on that is when you do have a seat at the table, look around Mm -hmm. and make sure that there are others around the table as well. You know, just as a small example, when I'm asked to speak at an event, I will first look to see who all the other speakers are and I won't speak at an event if it's all white men speaking, right? Mm -hmm. And me. So I've actually turned down 
um, events if there weren't people of color and other women represented in a meaningful way, you know, because often these organizers aren't even realizing it. They haven't consciously set up a panel of all white men. But when you point it out to them, they'll be like, oh, wow. You know, and sometimes I've seen them make changes. So just having it in the forefront of our mind to be supporting um, our, our our colleagues that are people of color or other women, making sure that there's diverse representation in any of the things we're putting our name behind. Yeah, and allies yeah. can do that too, right? That's really yes. important for allies to really help yeah. us with that in saying, nope, yeah. not going to participate until I see more diversity. Sorry, Katie, did you have something to add? Oh, no, I was just going to say to build on that, not being afraid to recommend someone who maybe hasn't gotten that seat at the table before. Um, it's it's really important. Um, I think so often, <clears throat> especially when I was at MIT, people would come to me and say, do you know someone in the sustainability space? And instead of recommending the person who's getting all the exposure, maybe recommend someone who needs that mm-hmm. first chance to get up because they have so much potential. And don't be afraid to go to that person and tell them about their potential. I think part of the problem that a lot of women have is they have all of this potential, but they've never had someone come to them to like say the things to them that, you know, they, they question. Um, and so just being able to, you know, building on, building on what you said, Joanne, to take your seat at the table and give someone else that seat as well, because chances are you have that seat because someone else gave you the opportunity. So just remembering that, that it's so important to give someone else the opportunity as well. And that's such a good point because I talk to a lot of event organizers and one of the things that they tell me is that when they ask a female or a woman to speak, they usually will say, oh, well, my male counterpart might be better at doing it. And, you know, they're kind of like, well, how do we navigate this if they keep asking us to go to their male counterpart. And you just made a really great point. Maybe instead of their male counterpart, maybe there's another woman in your circle that could take that particular position. I know that when I did the raise your hand post on LinkedIn, I have a list of over a hundred diverse voices who have raised their hand and have given us the topics of what they want to speak about. So there's a lot of people out there (laughs) that want to take that spot. So just be a little bit mindful in the fact that you might have other diverse voices that you could be pointing them to rather than maybe not necessarily just your colleague. Right. I think that's a good point. All right. Let's um, actually put out there some of the organizations that are doing this work that we can highlight so that people do know, like if they're not doing their research, they can maybe listen to this and be like, oh, I didn't realize that that was out there. Let's name some of those organizations. I know that uh, Katie mentioned Awesome earlier. Um, I can mention a few. So OWIT, which is Women in International Trade. There's also Trade Experts, which is uh, highly concentrated in trade policy. There's WISTA, which is the Women's International Shipping and Trading Association. There's Women in Logistics, Women in Trucking, and then obviously what we're doing in Women in Supply Chain as well. Who else has some uh, lists of organizations that we can share? Joanne, start with you. Sure. For more um, general business organizations, professional women's networks, you know, there's um, Elevate Toronto Network for Women, 
There's the Toronto Professional Women's Meetup, you know, Canadian Women's Network, Women of Influence is a big one, Women's Executive Network. I mean, a quick Google search will just give you a laundry list of these, which begs the question that you started with, should we just be collaborating on some of these things? (laughs) Um, And there's a brand new one that's just started by an old colleague of mine called Room Women's Network. Um, And that's for women leaders and high potential pipeline women. Mm. So there's lots and lots of opportunities outside of your individual, um, you know, industry. If you're, if your goal is to network with people in other, other kinds of industries. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. There's also chief, uh, which is out there yes. which is high for high level executives. Katie, do you have any, any, any to add? Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of them and I was actually going to mention chief because chief oh, will be our well at manifest this year in february we'll have one of the co-founders of chief honor on our stage um one other thing that i wanted to mention is there are a lot of organizations within higher ed that can give you support as well so one of my favorites is the center for women in business at bentley um for me it's been a great place to go for training but also for networking um just to add to to your professional portfolio. Awesome. That's great. Marina? So you mentioned a lot of them already, you know, women in trucking, we've done um, some work with uh, women in manufacturing. We had them uh, on our panel this past year at uh, Women in Supply Chain Forum. So they're a good organization if you're talking about specific STEM related stuff, um, you know, manufacturing, engineering, logistics. I know that there's a lot of colleges that are, have little groups within their organizations that are uh, specific to women in whatever it is that their tra- their courses are. Um, and then obviously our Women in Supply Chain Forum, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, has a lot of opportunity as well. Awesome. Well, we are coming down to the end. So I want to leave everybody with an action item or something that they can take from this conversation, put into action, maybe think about. So Joanne, I'm going to start with you. What's one key takeaway people should take away from this conversation? I would love to leave people with uh, a challenge to start thinking about becoming actively a sponsor to some of the new high potential women in your, in your network, right? So we all know a lot about mentorship. Mentorship is about coaching and helping people with a skill, but sponsorship is about pulling those people up to the next level. It's about giving them opportunities, visibility, right? So use what platform you have to try to do some sponsorship actions for these up and coming high potential women in your network. Um, you know, open doors, introduce them, give them opportunities for exposure, provide stretch opportunities, um, give them really honest, you know, good feedback and provide them social opportunities. So really, if you're a woman leader, I don't want you to just kick the door open. I want you to hold it open for the women behind you. And I want you to give them a hand coming through it by mindfully providing them with really great opportunities to increase their visibility and and their chances for advancement. And be a good reminder that we do not want to do work for free. All right, Marina, what's your one <laughs> takeaway? How do you follow up to that? She covered everything. Yeah. Um, I, I think to piggyback on that, sorry, the sun is moving in my eye. Um, to piggyback on that, I think it's just to continue to build that inner confidence and put yourself out there and know that that creates a domino effect. So when you start to, as Joanne said, 
hold the door open for others, you're setting that example that that is what you should be doing. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And so others will follow suit. And eventually this conversation will just kind of turn itself around. But you have to put yourself out there. Don't take every, you know, thing as gospel. Don't take no as the end all be all. Fight for yourself, advocate for yourself, and just continue to be a kind, good person. And let's set that bar, ladies. Yes. Let's set those expectations so that everybody can benefit from it. All right. Last word, Katie. Ooh, how do you follow that? Um, <laughs> build the muscle. So I think that the biggest thing that I would challenge people to do is have the tough conversations and build that muscle. The first time you do it, it's going to be terrible. The second time, it's going to be a little bit better. It's just like working out. Like that first couple times it's it's really tough and you're really sore and beaten up after but the more you do it and the more you build the muscle towards having conversations and having confidence and you know really asking for everything that you need the easier it's going to get and it's then it's it's not going to be a discussion anymore it's just going to be second nature awesome well make sure to reach out to all these ladies on linkedin if you have any questions or you want to ask about any organizations or events or things like that we're also going to link to them in the show notes but most people have really good intentions so how do we move these movements forward together to make the most impact support women owned do some research work on your self-worth so we can increase the collective value of women everywhere and have the uncomfortable conversations about money whether you are challenging yourself or other in a respectful way and reminding each other the consequences of doing for free in the for-profit world. Thank you so much, Katie, Joanne, and Marina for joining me on the show today to to discuss Show Me the Money, Why Women Need to Stop Working for Free. Thank you all, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. Plus, if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show. And so head over to the website, use the search bar. We also have some filter options as well. Use the keyword and all of that content will come up and you can listen, watch, read all of the content to find out if they are the right solution for you. And remember to come back next week. I'm going to be joined by Jeff from Gaines for the second of three special episodes in collaboration with Gaines. And next week, Jeff and I will be talking all about decision-making and supply chain. We're going to dive deep into exactly what decisioning looks like across the industry right now. The risks inherent in... 
taking an intuitive approach, embracing volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, and how Gaines is driving better decision-making for its clients by putting a focus on configuration and optimization. Improving your decision-making is really essential for everyone in these tough times. So make sure that you come back and don't miss that episode. If you enjoy the, the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. Follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. That's right. Go go and check it out. We've got mugs. We've got t-shirts. We've got hoodies that say, I like to move it, move it. That one's a pretty popular one. And if you're looking for a membership group, a community of supply chain professionals and like-minded supply chain professionals, well, look no further. It's called the Secret Society of Supply Chain, and we have just launched it. And there's three groups so that we can bring together the community in a variety of different ways that work for you. One is exclusive content in our supply chainers group and a way to network virtually with other like-minded individuals. You're going to hear best practices from some of the biggest names in the industry. And then we've got our virtual monthly meetup for our woman in supply chain. Now, these are professionally facilitated. You are going to get so much value out of this. I mean, I think it's up over... $20,000 or $25,000 worth of value just in this one group. You're going to trust each other, create a safe space. You're going to be a cohort of 10 to 12 people who are going to meet regularly and change the world. Last but not least, we have a virtual monthly meetup called the Creative Room for Marketing Professionals in Supply Chain. We want you to get together on a regular basis, talk about what's working, what's not working. We want to create those mini focus groups for you so you can learn from potential clients as to messaging and when they open newsletters and so much more. That's going to be facilitated by me. And I cannot wait to see you all there. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com. All the information is on our homepage. And I can't wait to see you there. And if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.